I'm Kevin Barrett. You're listening to Truth Jihad Radio. Where else can you find such a variety of interesting, stimulating voices of truth coming at it from such a broad variety of perspectives and engaging in uncommonly interesting conversations? This is the place, and the place to subscribe is truthjihad.com. Welcome to Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett, waging the all-out struggle for truth for how many years now? Well, I guess I started in 2006, so it's been 15 years. And that period began with my diving headlong into the 9-11 truth movement right about the time that my guest, Jimmy Walter, left it. And Jimmy had been doing amazing things. He, in some ways, may have been the biggest single force behind 9-11 truth during that uh, era up until it really blew up in 2006. And uh, so we, I, th- I think that Allah will give Jimmy lots of hasanat, which is Muslim for, uh, for good points, for his good deeds, for sparking the truth movement in the early days when it mattered the most and uh-huh. uh, taking the heat for it. So, hey, welcome, Jimmy. It's good to have you back. Thank you, Kevin. Glad to be here. And uh, my kudos to you, too, for all you've done. You've been a good force and continuing. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's one of these things where if if we if we keep doing it, in a sense, we haven't completely lost. And I guess what you know, as long as we're on that topic, before we jump over to the COVID restrictions in Austria, where you are now, uh, since you got hounded out of the United States by the nine eleven perps and their acolytes, uh, Alan Zabrowski recently published a piece, uh, kind of a post mortem on why the nine eleven truth movement failed, and he did make one serious mistake of fact by. Uh, saying that the 9-11 truth movement never found any philanthropists to support it uh, in terms of, of any any kind of money. And actually, he wasn't quite right. We did have one <laughs> philanthropist, and that was you. So, <laughs> so much for uh, for Alan's analysis. And you, you said you, you had some other disagreements with him. Well, first of all, who is this guy? <laughs> well, he's the former head of strategic studies at the U.S. Army War College who came on my show maybe in the 2010 era and made a big stink by, uh, by saying, Hey, I've talked about nine 11 with my colleagues at the war college and made it very clear to them that this was an Israeli operation. And uh, so that made headlines for a while. And, uh, and since then, you know, we, Alan had strategized a little bit about trying to get the military on board with nine 11 truth, but he never had too much success with that. <laughs> so, you know, we've, we've military, all done what we can. Military knows. Come on. Uh, and, and this guy, he doesn't mention me because they never want to give me any airtime. Uh, this guy is a limited hangout at best. And I, I think Alan is, is sincere uh, from within his own way of seeing the world. But it's true. He came on board 10 years late and you came on board at a time when things were at their most fluid and malleable. And theoretically, there was actually a chance that we could get uh, get it. Actually, you were on board before I even woke up to it. When, when did you start your 9-11 truth work? 2005. I only started in 2005. Oh, okay. and I wanna, but I want to make uh, an important statement here, point out a some point. There were many people in the 9-11 truth movement before me who did very good work. I was the first one to bring any money to publicizing it. But uh, all of my work actually came from other people like, uh, 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 I can't think of his name around, but it'll come back to me. Uh, uh, Eric Huffman, mm-hmm. uh, big, and then there's, there, there's a lot of other sites. Uh, and, and of course, since then, uh, the uh, architects and engineers, they've done a lot of good work. Uh, and, and they continue to do a lot of good work. And they're still a major force. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I, I disagree with uh, Alan's analysis in a couple of ways. I mean, he's looking at as, as a military strategist and as a military campaign, it's true that, you know, we truth guerrillas have not completely destroyed the evil empire, but the empire is getting pretty shaky anyway. So, and maybe we're contributing to uh, helping take you it go, down. You go all the way back to JFK, RFK, MLK, Gulf of Tonkin. Uh, the, the list is legion of things that should have tipped the public against the, whoever's really running the world. And it never works because they control the media. Yep. And I think Ron Unz is right. 
in in that article in which he argued that everybody who's working on one of these issues that's being uh, covered up or misportrayed by the mainstream media should all get together on the same side and recognize that the mainstream media is our number one enemy and we should join forces with people even if we disagree with them about things to uh, make war on the mainstream media and completely destroy its credibility. Well, they're doing a good job on their own. I see that CNN's viewership can't get over a million people even for their best show anymore. Yeah, I, I think between us uh, sniping at the mainstream media and the mainstream media's own idiocy, uh, that, you know, the credibility is deteriorating. And I think that is one of the victories of the 9-11 truth movement that Alan Sabrowski hasn't noticed or, you know, he, I guess he, you know, he and so many other people think that we should be able to just totally take this thing down and force 9-11 truth on the world in a big public way and, and so on. Well, I wish. <laughs> we couldn't take down the JFK assassination, the RFK assassination. He was shot in the back. Sirhan Sirhan was in front of him. No and kidding. They still deny Sirhan a, a parole. It's totally insane. The fix is uh, in. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a mobbed up world. It's it's Chinatown, Jake. Yeah, yeah. So so Jimmy, uh, how about these COVID restrictions in Austria? So so you fled the United States after the, there was there were threats, there was a, there were attacks on your home. You ended up in Vienna, Austria, and now maybe you're going to have to flee Austria back to Florida because the latest RT story on this says Austria to ban the unvaccinated from a long list of public spaces, uh, including what are they banning people from? It looks like uh, cinemas and restaurants and hotels, bars, cafes, ski lodges, hairdressers, any event involving more than 25 people. Uh, that doesn't sound like a free society to me. Same as L.A. L.A. did the same thing. Wow. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's, it's you got to go to a state with a red state governor in the United States now to find a place where they're not doing that. Well, you know, I was always a Democrat, but I, no longer. I mean, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I, okay, Trump did his thing. I know he's going to run. But if Trump really wanted the Republicans to do well, he would support the Florida governor, DeSantis is really my hero right now. And I'm from Florida originally. Uh, but, of course, Trump's going to run and they're going to use everything against him again. So, mm -hmm. But you see, he might win. You see, he might win. But anyway, in 2024, no, 22, next year, they're going to lose both the House and the Senate. So uh, Biden will be a, a dead horse, a lame duck, and uh, uh, his, uh, what's her name? Uh, she never had a chance anyway. I don't know. Okay, oh, Commissar Kamala. Yeah. Uh, so, so what's happened to the Democrats? They keep nominating these hideous people. All, you know, all the polls showed in 2016 that Bernie Sanders would do 10 points better against Trump than Hillary did, uh, or Hillary would do. And it, you know, Hillary was the worst possible candidate. You couldn't imagine a better foil for Trump. And the Democrats forced her. Uh, they even cheated Bernie, it looks like, out of some votes in, in key primaries. Uh, and now they've they've put in in, in the White House a, a geriatric case who's not never was very popular anywhere. He's only he only did okay in Delaware because of the mobbed up money there. And and uh, so they they put up these you know these horrible candidates and and Kamala Harris, come on, uh, so why are the Democrats committing electoral suicide? Well, uh, 2016 is because Hillary controlled the Democratic Party. She sabotaged uh, criminally, in my opinion, uh, Bernie Sanders. Uh, she she tried to hide up her own malfeasance with the Russian uh, folder against Trump. Uh, this, she didn't care about the Democratic Party. She only called, well, none of them care about the party. They only care about winning. And, and they are only front men. It doesn't really matter. Even Trump. Look at all the people Trump appointed. They were all from the swamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, he drained the swamp and, uh, and, and stocked it uh, and <laughs> filled it back up. Uh, he just moved the portion of the swamp he was sitting on. That's all. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's crazy. So, what do you make of this COVID thing? You know, you, so you you got involved in nine eleven truth uh, to your credit and really sparked things. In fact, frankly, Jimmy, yeah, you reminded me you got on board in two thousand five, and the movement then peaked in two thousand six through two thousand eight. And frankly, it, it may have been your uh, injections of, uh, of of money that helped uh, get the nine eleven truth movement to the point that the bad guys had to push back against it finally in 2006 and you know, drag me on Fox News and things like that. Um, so you might have had as much responsibility as anybody for the movement actually reaching that point and peaking in 2006 through 2008. Uh, what do you think of the COVID situation in comparison with the 9-11 situation? It's obviously the official discourse on COVID is just about as goofy and obviously wrong as the official discourse on 9-11, and there have been arguments that COVID and 9-11 have a long list of parallels, uh, possibly including the sort of geostrategic element where 9-11 demonized Muslims in service to a war on Islamic countries, and COVID may have come out of a neocon bioattack on China and Iran, and it's certainly being used to demonize China, and both 9-11 and COVID are being used to destroy civil liberties and militarize and uh, regiment society. So what, what do you think of the parallels between these two massive historic events? I think there are, as you said, you're right, there are a lot of parallels, but there's one huge difference. 9-11 wasn't going to kill billions of people. So wait a minute, COVID is going to kill billions of people? How uh, How is that going to happen? The vaccines. Okay, so you're you're on board with this interpretation that it's a, a two-pronged bioweapon, a, a disease and a vaccine, which obviously were, they were both developed in parallel by more or less the same people and same institutions. So you think the vaccine is the second part of a two-pronged bioweapon. And this is why I didn't bother recording this on video, because we're not allowed to talk about things like that on YouTube. Uh, so t- tell me what, how you base your analysis of that. Okay, hold on. Let me pull something up here. And then we'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> there was a uh, article that, uh, let me see, I'll pull them up. Okay. Just came out uh, in the MDPI, I'll figure out what something, this medical journal, said the SARS-CoV-2 spike impairs DNA damage repair and inhibits VDJ recombination in vitro. What that means is that this thing destroys your ability to repair your cells. And it does, all of the vaccines inject actually more of the spike protein into your body than does the uh, uh, virus itself. Although the virus, what the virus does inject may be a bit stronger per se. But in total numbers, the spike protein uh, vaccine gets into every cell in the body, and in women, particularly the ovaries. Okay? Now, two... Sounds like a good depopulation weapon. I have not wanted to... I have not wanted to embrace this, and I'm still a little reluctant. Okay? But at this point, uh, uh, with this, and, and look at this also, you know, in 9-11, most governments would just kept their mouths shut. With COVID, every government in the world, except some in Africa, whose leaders have been assassinated, uh, is pushing this. The, the, the government, as you pointed out here in Austria, is put, you know, you can't go do anything other than the grocery store. Uh, and uh, run outside, you said, or go to a friend's house. They they cut that off, and that's hurting all the businesses. So not only are they destroying the people with this vaccine, they are completely wiping out the middle the middle class and and small businesses. Uh, okay, here's another one. Research on SARS-CoV-2 vaccines already has implications for all mRNA could permanently alter genomic DNA. It's sort of the same thing I just said. Uh, <clears throat> infection-enhancing antibodies have been detected in symptomatic COVID-19. Antibody-dependent enhancement is a potential concern for vaccines. 
enhancing antibodies recognize both the Wuhan strain and Delta variants. ADA of Delta variants is a potential risk for current vaccines. Vaccine formulations lacking AD and E interval are suggested. And then, uh, <clears throat> see, okay. And then there's a whole thing that they're re- basically changing our DNA with this uh, messenger RNA uh, spike protein they have in the vaccine. Um, they have the uh, protected uh, problems include early onset dementia, Alzheimer's, uh, uh, inability to fight off normal infections because of the DNA damage repair mechanism being hindered, uh, <clears throat> blood clots. These people, are, they, they've had in Germany this year, they've had 75 young athletes die from, I'm just going to call it blood clots. That's not really the technical name, blood clots. Whereas normally they have six. Yeah, I, I, we reported that on False Flag Weekly News. That's, yeah. uh, that is a, a concerning story. And of course we had to broadcast that on, uh, Twitch, uh, uh, because we can't broadcast that part of the show on YouTube. Uh, and the fact that there's such draconian censorship about these matters, uh, at, that makes me even more suspicious. It's more than draconian censorship. They're calling us criminals. <laughs> uh, they, they think we're, we're, we're the ones that are, you know, okay, first of all, for all the people who believe this, I have sympathy. I don't like to call them sheeple. These people are scared to death. They've been terrorized by the media. They've been terrorized by their own government. And when you're afraid, the blood leaves the thinking part of your brain, the frontal lobes, and goes to the uh, brainstem, the fight, flight, and follow the leader part of the brainstem that doesn't think, it just reacts. And that's what's happened to these people. None of them, 99% of them, do not have the scientific background nor do they have the will to read and understand all of the works that's going out. They choose who they believe by looking at them and listening to them. Uh, one of the things, let me pull that up a second. I'm going to in a second. Close to me. Okay. Um, where are we? I'm waiting for it. Here in Austria, the people uh, are passive. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, according to the story on RT, 36% of people in Austria are not still, quote unquote, still not fully immunized against the virus. So yeah. it sounds like there's still uh, some serious holdouts. There are some serious holdouts, but the protests have gone from thousands to a handful of people on the weekend. And uh, let me, I'm, I'm trying to find that. Okay, let me see. They shoot. Well, you know, my my problem with this scenario of the two pronged bioweapon with the vaccine being the worse prong of the two is that if they're really going to kill off most of the or a lot of the uh, vaccinated people, and which would leave the unvaccinated people disproportionately alive, they would be basically killing off the sheep and allowing the goats to live. And that doesn't strike me as a good strategy from the perspective of the bad guys. Yeah, but they have a list of the goats. <laughs> so, so they're going to come after the goats with uh, with bullets and drones and things like that, I suppose. Well, they, you you know they've had these. They've been building these isola- uh Ever since Hurricane Hurricane Katrina, they've been building these camps to house people in. Uh, they, they've been working on the people coming across the border. They got them in camps. They're all set up to do this. They know how to do. It. Wow. Now, so, so, so they kill off all the sheep. They put the goats in camps. Who's left to serve them and to <laughs> keep keep uh, feeding them and building them housing and things like that and building their learjets? I wouldn't go as far as say they're going to kill all of the people. I'm saying they're going to kill a significant number. Both Gates and the Prince of Wales have said they want the world population to shrink. Prince Wales said 500 million. I think Gates said a billion would be the ideal amount. I don't quote me on Gates' figure. I'm positive about the Prince of Wales' figure. He wants to shrink the world population to 500 million people. Uh, 
And Gates has been a eugenist for a long time. Uh, his fact, he already had vaccines killing people in Africa. Uh, <clears throat> so they don't want to kill off all the sheep. They still need people to tend their parks. And, uh, and I, that was one of the reasons I think Africa has always had such a problem. The rich want Africa as their big game hunting ground. Uh, <clears throat> so they're not going to kill off everybody. But the fact of the matter is, with the internet, with computers, with robots, with automatization, they no longer need the workers. That's why the uh, uh, work in the United States went from the United States to Asia. It went from mechanized and computerized work here to hand labor there because they were cheaper. Uh, <clears throat> driving way back in the conversation, I agree with you. I think the Wuhan incident was released by the United States Secret uh, Clandestine Services. Not the Secret Service, that's just one. Uh, everything points to that. It was definitely created by the University of North Carolina under direction of, I sent out that stuff, you think you got it, I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but it was definitely, and we have them on film, on, on video, admitting that they did it. Yeah, was it Peter Daszak was involved in that, right? That's right. That was one of the guys. There's another guy too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's one of the good things that Veterans Today has done. You know, I, I'm an editor at Veterans Today where the management, uh, Gordon Duff, Jim Dean, uh, formerly, uh, Ian Greenhall, um, and, and Gordon's uh, wife, Carol, I think is, she's a, a nurse and she puts in, you know, has, a, has a lot of input there on the editorial policy. Those guys, on the one hand, have driven a lot of folks crazy by being adamantly pro vaccine. But at the same time, they did publish those documents on COVID being manufactured in this U.S. Bioware program through the University of North Carolina in 2015. Um, and people can find those documents at VeteransToday.com. Well, and right now, of course, <clears throat> the military industrial congressional complex is full tilt on demonizing both China and Russia. And so thereafter, this oh, China did it on purpose. Why would you release the virus in your own country first? Yeah, yeah, why would they release it in Wuhan, the national transit hub, on uh, in such a way that it would start to peak on Chinese New Year, the day that everybody in China is passing through Wuhan to visit their families for the holidays? It makes no sense. Exactly. But it, it makes sense that somebody else might do it in, in that particular manner, doesn't it? It makes sense that the United States... We all know what the CIA, NSA, et cetera, are capable of. Have, have, you read, have you read Ron Unz's work on this? Because he's, he's actually laid out this case that a lot of us have been, you know, started developing very early on. But then, you know, a few months into COVID, uh, Ron started publishing these pieces, um, pulling together the evidence for a neocon bioattack on China and Iran. And I think he, he did a great job with it. He's kind of the David Ray Griffin of this particular issue, in my opinion. Have you, have you looked at his work? I'm sorry, I have not. Uh, I, I do not look at it, but I agree with it. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll send you the link in case you're interested. And you should send me the links backing up these uh, preposterous uh, medical misinformation statements that you've been putting out so I can give people the links and they can make up their own mind if they're living someplace where there's still any uh, free speech. <laughs> I mean, the free speech now is like Brighton and, and uh, Telegram. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to have to start accounts there. I, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I've been on the verge of being deplatformed at YouTube for years now. And I think they, they, you know, I think the Zionists cried wolf too often to YouTube because I got all sorts of strikes. Uh, and I managed to actually get many of my appeals successfully upheld because the strikes were idiotic strikes, probably by Zionist trolls. And I think maybe YouTube has some kind of algorithm where if the trolls falsely report you for things too many times then they they stop listening to these zionist trolls crying wolf so i've somehow survived with my youtube channel when almost everybody else has gotten taken down well on my youtube channel they have started branding me as hate speech they took my uh, five minute 9 11 video and said it was hate speech wow they took it down i appeal i asked him for stuff he said sorry an hour later they said, oh, sorry, after careful consideration, we find it is still hate speech and it's really? struck. Really? Oh, yeah. And yeah. when you go to my video, you get a screen that says this video has been taken down for hate speech. That is libel. Yeah, if you should, 
if you can figure out a way to sue the bee, you know, take them to one. Can you take them to court in Austria, or is is there any legal venue that would hear you? I'm working on it. Yeah, because Re- Russia is. I know in Russia there have been some uh, lawsuits against social media on for this sort of thing. Well, now there's two distinct things here. One, there's a big movement about post. People come in, post on your video or post on your channel and say crazy things or post on their own channel and say crazy things. But this was done by YouTube. This is libel by YouTube. And uh, in the United States, of course, it takes eight fucking years, pardon my language, it takes eight years to get a case to the courts and then they can appeal. And you're talking about lots and lots of money. And then I got to prove money damages. I don't want to get anything back and they won't pay for my lawyers. However, in the United Kingdom, it's totally reversed. In the United Kingdom, they have to prove it. And anyway, I'm looking into it. Oh, yeah, great. We'll have to follow up on that. And we should follow up on a whole bunch more things because we've just done uh, our half hour of conversation and there's a heck of a lot more to talk about. So uh, are you game for like a follow-up interview maybe within a, a few weeks to a month time frame? You know where I live. <laughs> I'm sure a lot. I'm sure the bad guys know where you live too. Uh, but you... one last little thing. Okay. Back, back in the uh, 2000s, uh, I went to Richard Gage's event here in Vienna. Okay. I came back that night, and the next morning, underneath my window was a burned 9-11 bill. Wow. They were telling me they could just kill me with fire. Yeah, that, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a reasonable interpretation. So they were, they, were, they were able to get right up to your property. Huh? Well, I'm on the street, you know, and unfortunately... I didn't read the CIA manual first. I'm on the I'm on the ground floor, so to speak, so they can get to me. If well, you read the CIA manuals, they say never have a place on the first or second floor; always the third and higher. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm I'm uh, 800 feet off the road, and if they want to shoot at me, they have to shoot through a pretty thick pine forest, which might very yeah. well uh, deflect their bullets. Uh, and if they want to aim uh, any other kinds of devices, including listening devices, that would be very difficult, too. And they would be very, very obvious doing that out there on the road. So if they want to come after me, they're going to have to use uh, helicopters. I probably shouldn't be telling them this. <laughs> okay, Jimmy, it's been fun. I, I love talking with you, and I appreciate your excellent work on all these issues. Uh, please do send me some links so we can you know, put those up and people can look and see whether they think that the, uh, the downside of vaccines is, might be as bad as you're suggesting. Uh, and then we'll, we'll pick this up again uh, before too long. Thank you, Kevin. Always great to be with you. Likewise. All right. Take care, Jimmy. God bless. Take care. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Truth Jihad Radio, the fearless radio show that has no problem discussing all of the hot-button issues that can get you labeled as a domestic extremist, perhaps even a terrorist, and conceivably even get you uh, sent to a nice place where your food and lodging will be taken care of by the state. Additionally, you'll be behind barbed wire with the most interesting people in the country, the best people to talk to. It'll be the the, uh, the, the Camp Hilton and uh, I'm not in any great hurry to be sent there. <laughs> Sounds crazy, doesn't it? But maybe it's not so crazy. Uh, my guest today, John Whitehead, who's the president of the Rutherford Institute and one of our great civil libertarians, has published a piece entitled COVID-19 Detention Camps, Our Government Roundups of Resistors in Our Future. I hope the answer is no, but I'm not so sure. Let's talk about it. Hey, welcome, John. How are you? Hey, thank you. Yeah, well, just staying in the battle, having a Throughout the institute, you know, we do a lot of cases and stuff, and so we're seeing a lot of the uh, what's going on around the country, and it, it's not good. People, by the way, are being altered how they think about society with all the lockdowns, the uh, vaccine mandates. Uh, but anyone who opposes, by the way, the uh, Department of Homeland Security has already labeled you a domestic extremist if you're opposing any of that. Which is very bizarre because there are sound medical reasons for doubting 
the public oh, policy yeah. efficacy of these vaccines. And uh, I, I've found it very tricky to, to talk about this in public now because you get deplatformed. And, and you're, you're saying there's actually a, a realistic possibility of people being sent to detention camps on the basis of these various things. You, know, you, you mentioned that uh, there's a, a list of dangerous viewpoints, including advocating states' rights, believing the state to be unnecessarily or undesirable, conspiracy theorizing, Concern about alleged FEMA camps, opposition to war, organizing for economic justice, frustration with mainstream ideologies, opposition to abortion, opposition to globalization, and ammunition stockpiling. Well, I would tick most of those boxes to a greater or lesser extent. Uh, how many camps are they going to have to build just to hold me? Well, they've already, you know, uh, in 2006, George W. Bush proudly announced that he gave $385 million to a subsidiary of the Halliburton Corporation, uh, which is this monstrous corporation that does construction to build American detention facilities. And uh, they said they would be needed in times of emergency, influx of immigrants, and support a rapid development of, listen to this, rapid development of new programs. So, in other words, if it becomes a point where they need that, and they effectively use 9-11 as an excuse to start building the camps with uh, the fear that you're going to have the people from the Middle East or Afghanistan or whatever flooding in doing what they were doing. So they took that right away and invested $385 million in these camps. Uh, we've actually uh, had some of our attorneys and stuff call the Department of Homeland Security Halliburton, Kellogg, Brown, and Ruth, the company that works with them to build the camps, and they, they will not tell you one way or the other where the camps are, and they're very, very uh, evasive. Uh, but I've had a few former NSA agents who have been very clear to me that the camps have been built, and may, most of them have been built on military facilities, so they're already in existence and ready to go around the country. And at the same time, this is the amazing thing that's really so freaky, and again, this is something I've studied, and when I first realized it, the, the government now has uh, its own facilities all around the country built underground. So, you know, if you've uh, have never heard of Mount Weather, I, I tell your listeners, go look online. Uh, the Washington Post exposed the fact that there's a place called Mount Weather right outside of Washington, D.C., where all the elite, the president, they even have an office of presidency there. It's a, they have malls inside the place, storage of foods guards, armies, and stuff. So the elite will go there. They will hide away in times of emergency. But where will we go? The, the troops and the National Guard and the people that will be rounding us up, they'll be placing people in camps. So the camps are there, and uh, it depends on what's going to happen with this country. But there is a video that I've written about that the Pentagon uh, had put out as a training video, and it was actually leaked uh, to the public through uh, several uh, FOIA requests by different uh, newspaper and uh, magazine uh, people out there who went after it. But they're training for a 2030 total breakdown in this country where they'll have to set up martial law. And at that point, I could see it happening. But uh, we just have to wait and see. And I would tell people to be very, very careful uh, be prepared what we're seeing coming down for the future. We don't know what the next trauma is going to be. And the government effectively uses traumas to do whatever they want to do. Uh, and so that, that's basically what, what I've seen out there. But they, um, I mean, there's more we can talk about, more facts and uh, things they're doing. But the point is, is that, you know, they've, uh, like you said, they've labeled us, the Department of Homeland Security has labeled right-wing extremists and even left-wing extremists as people who basically oppose the government. Left-wing extremists, by the way, are animal rights activists and people like that. So if you have to like dogs or whatever or have a dog kennel and you're an animal rights activist, you're an extremist too. And I'm not sure with the way government officials operate that they'll make a distinction between which kind of type of extremists they'll lock up at a certain point in time. Well, I suppose if you oppose Tony Fauci's torture, murder of puppies, that would tick off two boxes at once. You'd be an animal rights extremist on the left, and you'd be a COVID extremist on the right. 
And, that, and that's where I, I have a fair bit of overlap. I think I, I qualify as both a left-wing and a right-wing extremist. I'm probably even a moderate extremist, too, I would think. Uh, but it, it, in any case... Yeah, the, the, yeah, go ahead. The strange thing about, though, the Department of Homeland Security issued two, two memos, right-wing extremism, left-wing extremism, in 2009. When I first read them, I was going, let me see what they're, they're saying extremists are. They actually use the words extremist and terrorist uh, in the same sentences sometimes, coupling them. So... A terrorist is basically, or an extremist is basically anyone who opposes the government. And the FBI, the CIA, NSA all work together, and they develop a uh, base called Main Core, a uh, database which has the names of at least 8 million people, I'm sure it's more than that, that will be rounded up in times of distress. Uh, we don't know who they are, but... Let me be really clear. This has been going on since the 1950s, planning for these type of things, because the people in power, as um, the reports that show by different universities, are there for one thing, to make money. And a Princeton uh, study, a Northwestern study that came out in 2014, showed very clearly that Washington, D.C., they, they looked and searched the professors over a period of time where all the money congregates in America. They came to the conclusion, Washington, D.C., and that were run by and operated by an oligarchic elite out of Washington, D.C., of about 585 millionaires who work with the government officials and contractors. It's what the uh, FBI at the time called the seventh floor group. And so they run the government. It's called the deep state. And, I mean, these, are again, the people who are going to be always underground. That's the thing. <laughs> the seventh floor group, they're down under the ground doing their strategizing in Washington, D.C. Uh, years ago, when I was um, working with the Congress, and he says, I've got a surprise for you. He says, you want to see something interesting? And I said, sure. So he took me back to this real strange hallway and said, We'll enter here, and there was a couple guards by the elevator. We got in the elevator, and we went down, 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 and we got out, and he said, take a look, John. And I looked around, and I said, whoa, I didn't know this. There were tunnels, little trains going by underneath with, you know, the Washington elite in it and the congressmen and stuff. I'm going, I didn't know this existed. He says, it does, John. This is the way government runs. So that's what we're facing. We're facing a group of people that run things that really – don't let me lose this word. Give a damn about average American if we get wiped out. It sure looks that way. It seems like they're using excuses uh, about foreign invasions and such that are pretty preposterously uh, absurd. I mean, the back when Main Corps, I think, was first developed during the Reagan administration, when Ali North was involved in not only uh, coke smuggling to support the Contras in Nicaragua, but also uh, organizing to put people in, in football stadiums uh, as political prisoners. The excuse was that a U.S. Uh, problem in Central America could lead to a flood of immigrants, uh, hostile Sandinista-type left-wing communist immigrants from Central America flooding the United States, and we might have to put them in all the football stadiums. But that excuse looked pretty flimsy because, of course, A, that would never happen, and B, they developed this big list of dissidents uh, that looked like were the actual targets to put in the football stadiums. And likewise, after 9-11, you mentioned that they said maybe these wars will lead uh, a flood of refugees and or invaders from Afghanistan, Iraq, and so on into the United States. So they're the ones we're going to have to lock up. And they're, then they're building, uh, you said it was, what, like half a billion, three-quarters of a billion-dollar program to build all these camps, supposedly for these Muslim terrorists, but then they developed the main core database and, and put all the uh, American dissidents on it. So it looks like they're using the excuse of a foreign threat to go after Americans. And people <laughs> will, it, the mainstream media, by the way, which um, Carl Bernstein, with Bernstein and Woodward, ousted from Nixon uh, for all of his uh, crooked shenanigans, uh, he wrote in 1977 that he was shocked. This is after... They did all their reporting and, and uh, became famous. But he wrote an article saying that he was shocked when he uh, started working with the other straight mainstream media, such as New York Times, the TV networks, that NSA, CIA agents actually sat in their offices and edited and vetted articles and helped do them and do the reporting. And I, he was he said 
It's not the news. It's propaganda. And so they can use the mainstream media, which people watch and believe as if it's God speaking to them. Uh, many people do. Um, to control the masses, and they'll believe anything they see on CNN and down the list. And, you know, most of the major left-wing and right-wing media is owned by several major investment groups who control everything. The same groups that, you know, you see on, uh, I'll be honest with you, Fox or CNN are owned by the same investment group. So what I'm telling people, this is, uh, James Madison said it best, the guy who wrote our Bill of Rights, we ought to mistrust all those in power. Once you start believing anybody uh, that's speaking from anything that's approved by the government or controlled by the government, you ought to distrust it. That's the only way you can maintain freedom. But, you know, the average American watches 150 hours of television a month. I mean, and the kids today are completely sucked into their digital devices. And we're in a mess. Uh, I could see this country uh, with the right kind of crisis flipping really quickly and doing some crazy things and people stepping back. And there's precedent in history for this. If you look at Nazi Germany, my book, Battlefield America, which I talk about this, uh, how Nazi Germany was easy. It was easy to do the concentration camps. Fear makes people stupid and makes them compliant. And uh, we're being controlled. That's all I'm saying. That's why I don't watch the mainstream media. Yeah, I noticed that a lot of the people who ended up in the 9-11 Truth Movement said that for one reason or another, they didn't watch the endless loops of plane into building, fireball, building explodes into pyroclastic clouds, chasing people through the streets of New York. You know, people, a lot of folks just watch that over and over and over and over and over on 9-11. And I think there was a hypnotic effect that left a post-hypnotic suggestion. And while these things were playing, pretty soon they started chanting, Bin Laden, Bin Laden, Bin Laden. And uh, people were basically programmed by that. So the people who don't watch mainstream media uh, seem to be relatively free in their ability to actually think about things. And so if we're thinking about things here, the ostensible rationale for all of these uh, contingency plans in the event of a national emergency is that, well, we could have these national emergencies. And if that happened, boy, we'd sure like to be prepared, wouldn't we? So, you know, what are the emergencies they're preparing for? As I mentioned, the whole story of the Central American invasion, it was the excuse for uh, planning to lock up people in stadiums, was nonsense. That was obvious garbage. Uh, and it seemed like what they were maybe really afraid of was uh, anti-U.S. policy protests within the United States getting out of control, sort of like in Vietnam. But even that seems, uh, you know, it wasn't a huge pro- probability at that point. Uh, and other issues that they've claimed to be preparing for include things like, obviously, a nuclear war. And we're very lucky, uh, or maybe God or the ETs or some combination, they're ever protecting us from that. You know, the ETs are supposedly shutting down uh, missiles with their, their flying saucers. And uh, who knows whether that's true, but that seems less ridiculous than claiming that we somehow got lucky and avoided nuclear war since uh, 1950 just by sheer luck, because I think the odds would be at least 10 to 1 against us, and the people who studied this would probably agree, maybe not quite those bad odds, but who knows. Anyway, so nuclear war is a real possibility, and people like Cheney and Rumsfeld had the job under Ford, and then they kept the job under subsequent administrations of preparing for nuclear war by, as you say, going down six or seven floors under silos and meeting with the rest of the people who would run the military dictatorship in the event of a nuclear war. They were going to bypass constitutional succession, and they had a list of 100 people for the actual military dictatorship succession. And interestingly, they were all Republicans, for whatever that's worth. This is all discussed in Peter Dale Scott's book, The Road to 9-11, and it's very thoroughly documented. So anyway, so they had good reasons to worry about a nuclear war. And uh, I imagine today they're worrying about other contingencies, including things like uh, perhaps environmental collapse, economic collapse. And then, of course, there's covid uh, what if COVID uh, gets worse and worse rather than better? And some people believe the vaccination, mass vaccinations are actually likely to make it worse. Uh, so what, what is your take on the relative likelihood of the various kinds of emergency scenarios that might be used to actually implement these kinds of plans? Well, you know, again, they're very good at using disease uh, and what we've seen here. 
the threat of invaders, which gets people all freaked out. Uh, and again, these are people who are watching the mainstream media and they believe it. But here's another thing I want to say is we can resist this, and they don't want resistance, by the way. If, if you resist in any way, uh, you can get in a lot of danger. But the point is, and I've explained this to people who are setting up so-called resistance groups, and then they kind of start breaking down or whatever. There was a fellow in the group. I'm telling you, be very careful. The FBI is very adept at infiltrating groups. And they did it in the 1960s, just as an example. They'd grow their hair long and smoke pot with the hippies and then get them to do incredibly stupid things. They would get arrested and they would end. And so you have to be very, very careful who you're working with. And I'm telling people that there is a chance to push this back if we know the Bill of Rights. And that is that the Tenth Amendment gives gives the local authorities, local governments, the right to nullify acts of the federal government. Uh, and all the things that we're seeing. And I'm telling people to get get uh, organize your local communities. Take over those local governments, which most of the time, believe it or not, if you check out when communities, who's actually running, the show, who's behind the people running for office on these even small towns, it's people with money who are controlling everything. Get the money out. Money pollutes everything. The love of money is the root of all evil. And... Get people in there who believe in freedom, who actually know the Bill of Rights. The average American, listen to this, 70% of Americans who have been polled can't tell you how many amendments are in the Bill of Rights. There are 10, folks. Uh, and the Bill of Rights is powerful. How come children today in the educational system, or what I call the indoctrination system, don't know the Bill of Rights? How come they can't tell you what's in the First Amendment? Or the, or the Third Amendment, or the Fourth Amendment. You go down the list. Uh, it's because it's not being taught. They're not reading the Declaration of Independence in most schools now. Why would they? Why would they not read the Declaration of Independence? If you read the preamble to the Declaration of Independence, it says we can throw the bastards out. <laughs> they don't want that. They want a very complacent, compliant uh, populace that will go along with anything they say. A cancel culture where you say the wrong word and everybody gets freaked out or whatever. And the, well, if you believe in the Bill of Rights, though, it says you have the right to free speech, that you can't be shut down. You have the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. The Second Amendment says you have a right to have a firearm to protect yourself against government intrusions. But today they have red flag gun laws. I'm sure you're familiar with those, sir, uh, where a neighbor can report you and they come to your door and grab your gun. And people are getting shot, by the way, in those instances. Yeah, it, 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 it sounds like there's there's no due process there, and, and the person no. that's been snitched on is guilty until proven innocent. 80,000 SWAT team raids annually in America, and it's not reported by the mainstream media, where five up to 500 dogs a day are shot, kids have been killed, you go down the list, and it's very seldom reported. They're crashing through people's doors in the middle of the night. They're shooting veterans who stand at the end of the hallway. Um, a veteran in uh, Arizona, they were doing a, uh, cops were doing a sweep of his neighborhood for, looking for marijuana and crashing through doors. They crashed through his door in the middle of the night. He shoved his wife and child behind him in the closet, held the only gun he had, his hunting rifle, at the end of his hallway. They shot, it's Jose Guerrero was his name, they shot over 70 times. Killed him. Wow. There wow. was no marijuana. Yeah, so these veterans are on both sides of these things where, you know, one veteran Ooh, gets shot by the SWAT team. Yeah, and the yep. other guys are basically yep. doing what they did in Iraq, you know, kicking indoors and shooting people. Yeah, but listen to this. Operation Vigilant Eagle, a, a program run out of the Pentagon, Department of Homeland Security, watches all returning veterans coming back to the United States. And I've had veterans come see me that are so freaked. Uh, one who wrote me a three-page, excuse me, a three-sentence email about some uh, military exercises in his local community. I asked him what was going on, and all he said, "This is they're simulating what's happening in Afghanistan, the mountains, whatever." The next day, two FBI agents showed up at his door with guns and said they were deporting. If he ever sent another email like that, they watch all your emails. The police now are watching everything you're doing. Local police, they work with the FBI. They're their police chiefs are generally trained by the FBI at Guantanamo and places like that. And so we're living in a very, very strange world where we're in a total surveillance state. 
Uh, we're moving into pre-crime mode where it'll be easy to round people up. And what will allow them to do that? There's a law in the book that every president's re-signed up, the National Defense Authorization Act, which if the president thinks you're a dangerous extremist, he can have the military come to your door, grab you, pull you away, and no one will know you ever are gone unless you have family members and someone who knows you're gone. They they put these people in mill hospitals. So has this aspect of the NDA, has this been upheld uh, constitutionally? Yes, there's 1.5 million, they call them civil commitments, 1.5 million people a year disappear into these mental hospitals and VA lockup facilities. So people didn't know that. I didn't know that until we started getting involved in the cases. And so what we're dealing with here is a government that's totally out of control, um, uh, something I call monsters with human faces, basically. They don't really care. They don't have uh, any idea about us. Uh, if you know, in Fort Benning, they built a simulated city for about a million dollars where the, the military and the police are working to train against domestic terrorists. And here's the, here's the key, though. When the FBI puts out some of its documents uh, showing the crime in America, crime in America generally over the last 10 years has been at the lowest it's ever been. Americans are not a violent population. So why are they getting umped the camps? all the other things that we're seeing going on in this country that is so damn scary. It's like out of a sci-fi movie that we're seeing. We've moved into the Matrix. We've moved into uh, They Live. Have you seen that movie, John Carpenter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's, uh, terrific. Exactly. There's the invisible government that's working. And Carpenter says it right in an interview. He says, we are the monsters. And he's talking about the government. He says, we're monsters with hats on our head. And he was trying to make a point there, and when people watch that movie, it has a really makes some really good points that we are run by a, a government that you don't know a shadow government, and it doesn't care about us. They're like alien creatures. Uh, listen, during the COVID crisis, the top 12 billionaires in America increased their wealth by over 300 billion dollars, while everybody else is going broke. You can't get food on shelves and stuff, so. We're run by people who care about one thing, money and control, and they want us to give our money over to them all the time. You know, I, th- I, I mean, think the they, average American – Maybe, maybe they Go know ahead. that, that uh, you know, they, they're preparing for this violent revolution of extremists, not so much because Americans are violent or getting ready for revolution, but because they subconsciously know that that's what should happen, that what, what's being done is so outrageous that there really should be a revolution. They're paranoid. It's a form of paranoia. And uh, with this predictive policing coming in now, artificial intelligence, Google, by the way, who works with China, which, by the way, is our biggest debt owner. Our biggest debtor, America, is China. That's who we owe most money to. So you think China has any influence in this country? Google works with them. And Google's setting up their singularity program now, which will go into effect, they say, by 2029, when the human mind will fuse with a computer. And they'll be controlling everything through artificial. So, where'd you get the date? 2029? Yeah, Google announced it years ago. Really? I, see, I, I remember Ray, when, Ray, yeah, when they first Ray talked Kurzweil. about it, it was supposed to be like 2040 or something. No, 2029, Ray Kurzweil. He said, by that time, before you think it, we will know what you're thinking. Hmm. So, what's going to, what, what we're moving toward is an erasure of the human race. They're going to try to do away without digital privacy, without the ability to think on your own, without being able to treat in, retreat in your own mind. They want in your mind. They want in your head. They want to know what you're thinking because they're paranoid. They want to stay in power. They want control, and they want to say, look at our democracy. Look at our republic. If you believe that, I mean, I've been told by key people inside Washington, there really are no Republicans and Democrats generally. Uh, just be very, very careful, I've been told by journalists. I told uh, one really big journalist one time, met with me briefly on an interview, and he said, when I'm up there and I'm seeing them sitting around smoking their cigars together and talking, he says, they really don't disagree, John. That's just a facade. So what did James Madison say, the guy who wrote the Bill of Rights? We ought to mistrust all those in power. Absolutely. And in God we trust, not in government we trust. Right. Well, well. so if if they're pushing for the singularity, aren't all these cigar-chomping rich people going to have the same problem that we all have with the artificial intelligence, knowing what you think before you think it, and 
it's going to be oh, yeah. out of their control, isn't it? Elon Musk, the SpaceX guy who owns is not the richest man in the world, he said, what we're facing soon, ladies, and no one's listening to me, he says, with a human dictator who is evil, he will either die or can be replaced or killed. With an artificial intelligence dictator, you'll have pure evil and you will not be able to get rid of it. And he said this, I'm trying to warn people. The robots are coming down. They will not get it till the robots are coming down the street facing them. They will not get it. Look at this new police dog that the police are using across the country. It's a robotic dog. They've now just placed a, a machine gun on top of it. Uh, and those are the kind of things that we're, we're seeing. All you got to do is your research. Education precedes action. Well, if I'm saying something that people don't know about, it's because they don't go to the read the good articles, go to Rutherford.org and places like that where we write on this stuff all the time. Get educated. Education precedes action. You know, if you're you know, your your eyes are useless if your mind is blind, I tell people. And your mind is blind if you believe in the bull crap that's coming out of the government or mainstream media. You know, I, w- I wonder if, uh, getting back to my previous question, uh, if trying to reach out and educate some of these cigar-chomping bad guys about the fact that the singularity with its artificial intelligence dictatorship is going to, you know, screw with them as much as with anybody else might be helpful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, just like, like I recently had Alan Sabrowski on, and, you know, he's the former head of strategic studies at the U.S. Army War College. He thinks the 9-11 truth movement went wrong in terms of its strategy, just trying to put YouTubes and radio shows like this out there to bet on the uh, intelligent awareness of the American people, which was a bad bet. He thinks we should have targeted the top echelons of the military who would have been very angry about the treason on 9-11. And so likewise, I'm wondering if maybe uh, we should be focusing on trying to wake up those cigar-chomping bad guys about the dangers of AI. Oh, yeah. Uh, again, I mean, it's out there. They're discussing it openly. But when you have someone as powerful as Google, Google, as some people say, runs the world. Maybe it, is, it already is AI. It. <laughs> they work with, what's that? It may, maybe it's already running on AI. Oh, I think it is. Yeah, I think it already is. It's basically, I mean, a lot of the stuff we're seeing on uh, Facebook and stuff, when words are eliminated or people are taking off, it's, it's AI now. Mm-hmm. They're they're completely and they don't have AI does not understand certain things. I, I don't think it's totally um, AI yet. I, I just I got a strike in my YouTube channel frozen a few days ago, um, based on so-called medical misinformation. I uh, I complained, I did, you know, and said that this must be an AI mistake because we're very careful to not say anything medical during the YouTube portion of our False Flag Weekly News broadcast. And so you, you, the Google, your, your AI probably didn't understand the joke at the end of the show about the animals in the zoo revolting against vaccination. And so I, that was my my uh, my protest, and it was upheld, and they restored my channel. So there must have been some human intervention because I don't think AI would be smart enough to figure out what I said and then vote against oh, itself. When you see children today who are not using certain words, afraid to talk, afraid to look at this or, or look at this, and they're afraid to jump back, I think that's AI. AI is already take, starting to take over kids, and they're taking over through Facebook and uh through your screen devices, and that's what I'm saying. The screen devices are very, very dangerous. Be very, very careful. And they have a way of subliminally shooting words at you. They say after 10 minutes of watching television, uh, whoever, if they wanted to, they can shoot all kinds of information into your head. You don't, you will not realize it. Yeah. I, I was told by a former uh, C-blank-A uh, insider that uh, everyone since 9-11 has been subjected to subliminal anti nine eleven oh, yeah. truth propaganda through their cell phones. Oh yeah. And through many other things. Movies, whatever. I mean people don't realize a lot of the movies you're seeing today, action movies stuff are are funded by the military. They're pushing a very militarized view of everything. And uh, uh we're in a tough space, but like I say, the only hope we have is learn the Bill of Rights, get get educated on all the issues and get active in your local government. And uh, you so know, get out. Where's the best place to start? Peacefully protest. Where, where do you start getting active in your local government? The school board, run for mayor, uh, city council. How do you do that? So I'd go for the city council. I'd get together activist groups, get together, and start making your plans. I think you need to meet on a regular basis once a week, and because um, it's going to take some work because it's gone so far down the road, so far down the road. 
Yeah, well, I uh, can't argue too much with you there. Thank you so much, John Whitehead. It's uh, amazing to you know to see your work. You're doing a really good job uh, document thoroughly documenting these kinds of things that the average person hearing them the first time might think that we're the ones who are paranoid, but uh, you've actually made the case in a convincing way. So I appreciate your good work. Keep it up. Thank you, sir. Okay, take care.